Welcome back, everyone. Today is Wednesday, and we're celebrating Homeschool.com's 2008 Winter Homeschooling Teleconference. Our next interview is with Don and Anelody Milne. We're going to be talking about homeschool's answer to high school. And I know a lot of you have questions about homeschooling your teens and about socialization during these uh, important years. Uh, Don and Anelody have been homeschooling for 18 years. As their older children reached their early teens, the Milnes did not want to send them back to public school, yet the children longed for greater interaction with their peers. The solution was banding with other area homeschoolers to create a one-day-a-week community school. The concept worked so well that Anelity co-founded a business that teaches parents and other concerned adults how to create these schools, which she has named a Commonwealth Schools. These uh, parent-run schools are now operational in more than half a dozen states as well as in Canada. Uh, people can read more about this wonderful homeschooling aid in Anelity's first book, which is called The New Commonwealth School. And there is information on their website, which is www.lemmyinstitute.com. And let me spell that for you. L as in lemon, E, M as in Mary, I, then another I, N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E dot com, lemmyinstitute.com, L-E-M-I-I-N-S-T-I-T-U-T-E dot com. So, Don and Anelody, thank you very much for being with us today. Welcome. Thank you for having us. Thank you very much. I'd like to talk about this idea of the new Commonwealth School or this community-based homeschooling for teens. What inspired this idea? Well, first of all, um, we had decided when we were first homeschooling that um, when our children got to a certain age, we were going to give them permission to make a choice about if they wanted to go to uh, back to public school or to um, keep homeschooling or to continue to, to maybe pursue a pri- private school situation. Um, when our oldest daughter got to be 12 years old, she decided she wanted to go back to, she wanted to go to public school because there were some things she felt real nervous about that she was, she didn't feel like she was okay with. And, um, one of them, of course, was she didn't have a lot of friends. <laughs> She's a very social, outgoing extrovert. And, um, I, I felt for her because I was a, a extrovert myself and needed to have friends in my life. And um, but she really was serious about some of her academics. She wanted to she wanted to see how she was doing. So she would go to public school for half a day. And every time every day she came would come home, she'd get really tired, and she'd want to sleep for the rest of the day. And I kept thinking, there's something wrong. That she's something wrong with her. And um, then we actually moved from the place where we were living. We were living in Salt Lake City. And we moved, moved into a lot smaller community where we had a lot more contact with other people who were homeschooling. And I, I called some friends and said, hey, I'd love to have a little group if you want to join us. Um, I'll, you don't have to do a thing. I'll just do it all. So once a week we would get all these. We had, I think we had ten kids that we would get together and have a unit study class where we uh, studied st- certain subjects like um, ancient Egypt or ancient Greece or Native American Indians or the oceans or something like that. And um, she would come, she would, uh, that was on Wednesdays. She would come home from school, in the from public school in the morning, 
and she knew it was a Wednesday when her homeschool friends were going to be there, and all of a sudden, her personality completely changed. She was so happy. She was, you know, always getting, you know, getting prepared for it and thinking about all the wonderful things they were going to do that day, and she didn't need to sleep that day. And my husband and I noticed a pattern that every single Wednesday, she had all the energy. She was really happy. She was motivated, and all the other days, she would get kind of lagged behind, and she didn't want to do anything, and... As we kept asking ourselves this question, what, what what's up with this? We started to think, we started to talk about um, the different environments that she was experiencing, and we realized that we had raised her in an, in a very family centered, loving culture, and um, we were almost asking her to expose herself to a, a far more caustic culture, and it was really emotionally taking its toll on her. Although she didn't complain about that. She just complained about being tired. So what we decided was um, we were going to ask, we were going to step up the program just a little bit with the with our group, and um, take her out of the public school system for some of the other things. So as we did that, she became closer and closer tight knit with these other homeschoolers who were sharing her same culture, who had that family environment that was very loving and nurturing. And we, we realized that it became a, a really beautiful experience with um, other children coming into our home and, and being with us because they, my daughter was getting a second witness of how, how good it could be to um, be with other people who homeschool. I wish I had known about this idea myself. I have three children, and my uh, 14-year-old daughter, a freshman, goes to school for the same reason that you were discussing. Um, she's very much an extrovert. She gets her energy by being in large groups of people. Right. She's the type that's going to want to go to a UCLA and live in a big city. And I, I wish I had known about this because maybe I could have created the best of both worlds, where I could have had tons of people, homeschoolers, for her to be with, and so she could have had that uh, rich social experience as well as the nurturing homeschooling experience. Right. It, and it's a great combination. We, we in our area, um, we as our family, I mean, we had decided on a specific philosophy of education. We, um, I had read a book called um, a Chi- The Educated Child. Is that the name of it? I can't remember. Anyway, it's, it's by Neil Flanders. It's out of print, and I'd gotten it at a, a used bookstore. And um, I read the book and was really, really impressed with, the a couple of things that he said in the book. One of the things he said was that a real, true, educated child is is motivated to be educated, to be a good person and have a great education when they have a choice in the matter, when they are given the emotional space to make the choice. And and he, he is a public school educator, he, but he talked about cre- how to create an environment where they had the freedom to choose to buy into what they were going to, to learn. And he says they've done a lot of studies, and they realize that the kids, who, the kids who have a chance to make the choice to learn, opposed to the kids who are always being um, exposed to the force of, you know, now you have to learn this, and now you have to learn this, the, the, the first group of kids were um, tested higher. They became... They became uh, very wonderful contributing citizens at a very young age. It didn't take them as long to grow up, and it seemed like they had less of those teenage problems. So we wanted to have a group that actually bought into that philosophy. So the reason why I call it the new Commonwealth School is because 
it has a specific philosophy toward freedom. Ah, the emphasis is on freedom. Yes. That's interesting that you mentioned choice because um, we've always given our children the choice, too, on whether or not they want to homeschool, and two out of the three have chosen that. And when my oldest son was getting ready to go into seventh grade, um, his dad and I approached him and said, boy, you know, we chose homeschooling for you when you were younger, but now we want you know, you to make the choice. So we exposed him to the different choices that were available, the Montessori, the Waldorf, the Catholic school, the public school, the private schools. Right. And then he chose homeschooling, and he got so behind his choice that we've never had any motivation issues with him because he thought about it, and he's chosen homeschooling, and he loves it. It's a good fit for him. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. It's amazing what kids do when they have a choice. Now, what do you mean by freedom when you talk about the new Commonwealth School? Well, um, we knew that we needed to have some kind of a curriculum that would um, in inspire the kids to study really hard because that's what we wanted for them. But how do you do that when you're going to give them the freedom, you know? So um, we were qu quite in a quandary of how to kind of laser up the kind of environments we wanted to uh, to, to um, create for the children. And because I had kind of uh, spearheaded the first initial part of the school and we kind of were bringing other parents on board, we started taking training. We started getting more education. We started reading and reading and reading and reading, trying to get better at knowing how to do this. And I met up with a wonderful woman who was a graduate from um, a liberal arts college in Cedar City, Utah. And um, she, she, she thought she had the answer for me. And as we trained with her and talked with her, uh, she and I de developed some pr projects together. We call them project because it, we think it's a project base where they can have lots of freedom to choose really hard things. Like one of the classes we teach is Shakespeare. Uh, it's, it, we think it's fundamental. Shakespeare is the fundamental, um, uh, fundamental of our language. And people quote Shakespeare, they'd say Shakespeare quotes all the time and have no idea. I have a friend who said, oh, I don't want to study Shakespeare. It has too many cliches in it. <laughs> it's because he created all the cliches. <laughs> he's the, he's the, fundament, the foundation of our English language. So we think it's really important. But that's kind of hard, right, for a 12-year-old to, to study Shakespeare. Well, I'd like to talk some more about that uh, later on in the call, too. Okay. But before we move in that direction... Um, once children are past the elementary school age, sometimes the parents don't feel competent enough to continue with the homeschool experience at the high school age, you know, in other words, in the secondary school environment. And they, they don't necessarily want to send them to school because they think that environment is caustic and may not be in line with their family values. They don't want their children to become peer-focused, as happens with many teens. So how does your, you know, this Commonwealth school idea fill this need? Well, I think part of it is uh, when, when the parents feel they don't have the preparation to uh, do a class, it's because um, they were public school themselves and they thought, well, I had to go to school and I sat in a desk and somebody brain dumped uh, information into me. And so they think they're not really competent, but if a child is properly uh, educated, they'll be teaching themselves when they're in the high school years. And the reason they want to go to high school isn't because they want to get that education. It's when they become a teen, they want to be around their peers. And yet, that's sometimes the time when parents should be the most uncomfortable about their children being in that sort of environment. Uh, here in conservative Utah, there was a, a story in the paper just this week where a middle school here, um, some of the kids were emailing 
naked pictures of each other to themselves. So that's not the environment that a lot of parents want to have, and they have a little more control if, if they can uh, uh, have an environment where the children can still get high school-level education without giving up the homeschooling. Can you paint a picture for us in more detail of what this Commonwealth School experience is, you, um, you know, how it's working in with your homeschooling, what you do and what it looks like and what your children do to participate? Um, they, they, the uh, classes meet once a week, and uh, usually the parents are leading the classes. Sometimes if a parent doesn't have an expertise, then they'll uh, hire an outside teacher to do, do that. Um, and, and the topic is usually going to be something of a high school level, uh, even if they're only uh, 12 or 13 We've noticed high, the uh, homeschool kids are usually able to handle high school level material, and and then they just meet that one day a week, and they have heavy homework assignments because they're not going to meet again until another week. But there's also other activities that the children will be involved with with their peers, book clubs, and other things that they will do outside of class. So so they become uh, they they have the friends that are their same age that are also homeschoolers, so they have the same culture. What we've, dis- what we've discovered is the parents really do be- want to be the ones in the classroom teaching their children. And so um, that's, that's why eventually my partner and I partnered up and created a teacher training company to um, train the parents so that they could actually feel competent, that they could provide the uh, environment they needed of freedom and that they would have the knowledge to pass on. And um, we do, at the trainings that we offer, we, it's once or twice a year, in the summer times, we have one in San Diego going on in June and one in July. And at those trainings, um, we it's a three three day intensive. We we give them we sh- the we lay down the philosophy and we give them the materials. And then for a whole year, we mentor them on phone conferencing to help them support them. But the whole time, they're really the t- the teacher is is inspiring by by really studying hard themselves and getting to know that subject. And in, in our Commonwealth School, we have some core classes, things that we think are absolutely essential that I can't necessarily get my, um, you know, when you're limited with the homeschool, I mean, at, at home, you're kind of limited as to what you really want to get your children to, to learn. And so we have some core things at the Commonwealth School. We teach a Constitution class, and it's all about U.S. government and U.S. history all around the revolutionary time and the founding of the Constitution. We go through the Constitution line by line and help them understand what it is. Uh, We take them to the Capitol. We show them what's going on up there. We try to give them lots of hands-on experiences with using parliamentary procedure and things like that so that they feel really comfortable with it. So when they have to come back to that in their lives, they can say, oh, that's just the Constitution. It's no big deal. I know what that is. And so it it doesn't feel undaunting to them. Another one is Shakespeare is our fa- one of our foundation classes, and the kids take that Shakespeare class every single year. They love it so much. One of the one of the things that we do with them in the in the Shakespeare class is we um, we ask them to uh, read, see, or listen to seventeen seven to seventeen Shakespeare plays in, as fast as they can because we understand that langu- language is best learned um, it, by immersion. And really, it, that old heightened language is, is like a whole new language to them. So we, we make it a race, and the first person to get to 17 gets crowned. Oh. So we've got 12-year-olds all over the country watching Shakespeare, reading Shakespeare, listening to Shakespeare as fast as they can to get immersed into Shakespeare. And once they've done that, they're never afraid of Shakespeare again. And going along with that, we also, uh, the classes will put on 
a Shakespeare play for the community. At the end of the year. And then homeschoolers can do what you've been doing. They can have teens come to their home once a week, and then they can go to your website and get the curriculum that you've been following that involves uh, learning about the Founding Fathers, the Constitution, and about Shakespeare. You give them all the information on how to teach these classes. How to get started. How to get Mm -hmm. started and why you think that those particular classes are important. Exactly. Do the um, how many teens do you uh, do these Commonwealth schools these groups typically have and do they uh, pay for the classes? That's a really good question. I'm glad you asked that because um, we actually don't meet in our home anymore. We we meet at the Grace Baptist Church down the street because right now we have about 30 students in our school. Last year we had what we called a calving. We had we had to we had to split our school because it was too big. We had 60 some odd youth who came to our school. And um, we had enough people in the North North County and enough people in the South County, we went ahead and split. But even still, we have still 30, which is a lot of kids. When you want to have your class sizes 15 and less, so, you know, we have to be very careful about how many we offer. But we do offer different levels. So um, we actually don't call it 7th grade, 8th grade, ninth grade, 10th grade. We have, we have names for it because we believe in phases. So we call the first phase the practice scholar phase. So if you are just practicing to become a scholar, you can you should you should come into this class. And the next phase is an apprentice scholar phase. If you think you can be a apprentice to become a scholar, this is where you belong. And then the next phase is what we call the self-directed scholar. They do more um, community projects and things like that. And so we have uh, different classes to meet each one of those levels. So really, this is a very different model than what um, people are used to. Very, very different. It's it's all based on choice, so you have to allow the child to decide, where am I in my education? Okay, so you're, so you're teaching the teens these classes. You're getting them together with other homeschoolers. So did you um, advertise that you had this available no. in the community? No. <laughs> no it's all word of mouth right now. Oh. So, word about, so, so people kind of spread the word, and then they either come to your home or to a, a, a church or some area like that, and then either the parent teaches the classes or they um, hire someone. And I'm sorry, do you answer my question? Did, do the teens pay for these classes? Oh, yes. They, um, um, right now, it depends on uh, the community and how much they need to charge. Um, a lot of times we will contract with a teacher if, they're gonna, if we're going to hire an expert to come in to teach maybe a dance class or something like that and we'll be able to get a pretty good deal for them. Um, but right now, our school charges $5 a class a month. Well, that's certainly affordable. <laughs> and we do have a building charge on top of that, so we can pay the Grace Baptist Church. So how, how many classes do they take? Let's say they come on a Thursday, and then I want to still give our, our listeners a really good okay. picture for this, because I'm not okay. clear on it myself yet, just because it's okay. such a unique idea. Yeah. So, um, so they, they can on take Thursday. one scholar class. One scholar class, because that is their load for the whole week. My daughter, she's 13 years old. She was taking the Sword of Freedom class, which is a Civil War class. She, that's a pre, that's a called a practice scholar level class. She would go to the class. She would get. Uh, she would have discussions with on the materials. She would have a lecture, and then every single uh, week, she would have enough homework to study, to keep her busy at least five hours a day until the next week. Oh, really? So this yeah. is not in addition to their other subjects. So you like to go more intense in 
and become an expert in one particular subject before you move on to the next. We really believe that it's really important not to fragment the children's mind. Um, if you study the way that Thomas Jefferson uh, studied, one of the things he did was in the morning when he got up, he would do what he calls his, uh, his chunk, um, daily tasks. So he would play his violin and he would... Um, he would go walking, and he would do some math prog pr problems and the things that had to be done every day to build a skill. But then he would spend the rest of the day reading and writing a book, Re writing a little a paper and reading a book, one book. He'd study one thing at a time. And, of course, he became uh, an, the typical Renaissance man where he yeah. was a master of several different areas. Right. And, and it's Thomas Jefferson education has become very popular with homeschoolers. Yeah, we, we actually do a Thomas Jefferson education. That's what our whole philosophy is based on. Okay. So, all right, so you set up these Commonwealth schools for teens based on the philosophy of a Thomas Jefferson education. And right. I assume that is in line with where you use classics instead of textbooks. That's correct. Where you focus on one subject matter at a time. Yes. And where your, um, your goal then is to raise... Uh, statesmen, high-caliber individuals, not just on a, a curriculum. You're teaching a child, not a curriculum. That's correct. Okay. So, so keep telling us some more. So then anyone in any area can set up a Thomas Jefferson-type team yeah. environment for their yeah. child. Let me just tell you really quickly what my daughter's school day looks like, okay? Yes, please. Okay. She comes together. They come together about... Um, Remember, this is once a week that they're doing this. Yeah. They come together about 9.30, and all the families come for what we call a leadership hour, and we play games, leadership games, uh, group games, things to get to know each other games, and it's the whole family, all, all the children from all the families. So we've got a whole huge room full of kids and, and wonderful parents. And then the younger kids go home. The older kids stay for their classes. My daughter, Lacey, is in the practice scholar level. So right now she's taking Sword of Freedom for her one scholar class. And she did take, she had already taken Shakespeare the year before, and so she gets to come to the Shakespeare class as an add-on. And um, because she's so familiar with it, it's not so intense as it was the previous year, but she wants to be in the play and she still loves studying Shakespeare. So she studies with her other, the other students. And each class is two hours long. So already she's been in school for five hours. So then, um, and she's had a lunch break there, and then um, we she goes to an elocution class where she where she uh, she practices her speech, and then the older kids she's not quite old enough yet they all go on to if they are interested going on to a ballroom dance class. Really? Yeah. Okay, so tell us again then. This is so interesting. What type of classes are you offering? Um. And this is going to vary from Commonwealth school to Commonwealth school because every group of parents is going to decide for that particular group what their needs are going to be. Right. But you always... guide them, though. You guide them and you help yes. them find the curriculum for right. that particular class. We have, the, we have the core foundational curriculum, which is the scholar projects, which are usually the ones that the parents feel a little bit leery about teaching, but we train them how to do it. We, we walk them through it. We give them all the materials to study. We believe that if we are going to ask our students to study it, we should study it too. So um, the, the core classes we offer is what it's called the Key of Liberty Project. It's the, that's the a study of the Constitution. 
and the Shakespeare, we call it the Shakespeare Conquest. Um, and then we have a Sword of Freedom class. About the Civil War. About the Civil War. And at the end of the, the year, when they have done all their stuff in the Civil War, all of their scholar stuff, there's several things that we ask them to do, write summaries, write papers, read um, several classics. There's a lot of things we ask them to do. And at the end, if they do it all, if they choose to do it all at the end of the Sword of Freedom class, they get a Civil War sword, and we have a sword ceremony. It's amazing. Okay, so you, okay, so you have a, a core of classes, Constitution, mm-hmm. Shakespeare, Civil War. And then yeah, and then have- we, have, um, we have one more class that's a core class. It's called um, TJYC, or Thomas Jefferson Youth Certification Course. It's a couple of years long. It's all the study of leadership and uh, biographies and speeches and several great classics. Did you, did you two create all this yourself? No. My partner and uh, my husband uh, helped us set up the school, of course, but my partner and I, um, yeah, we created it all, yeah. Wow, it's very impressive. So then, so for the leadership core class, they study Thomas Jefferson and other leaders, and I, you're using original source uh, materials. I They're all original source materials. Okay, mm-hmm. and then you have what you call scholar projects. Tell us about these, please. That's that's what those are. Those are the scholar projects. These are the projects. Mm-hmm. But then you also do a lot of um, activity-based projects. Yes. Like you have moot court and debate and that's Supreme that's court. included in the project. So what we'll do is uh, P- Thomas Jefferson Youth Certification is a, is a study of leadership, right? So they study books, they read papers, they do moot m- courts, they have several activities that have to do with what they're learning, so it inspires them to learn more. So we include it all in the project. We do simulations, we play all kinds of games, we have uh, we have. Um, nights where we get together and watch movies. So, like, one of the things they do in the leadership class is they study Martin Luther, and they study his document or his uh, defense called Here I Stand. And it was his defense of the Deed of Worms. And they read the document together. Of course, they hardly understand it. It's it's written in Old English, and it's very difficult. So we get it, we get out the new, wonderful translation of it, and we make sure that they understand all the words and the vocabulary in it. And then we read a book on Martin Luther, and we talk about what he did and why he was such a wonderful um, character in history and what he did to make a difference. They actually write a paper on him, and they're asked specific questions. They're and they are taught how to write during this whole process. We have they have writing mentors that teach them how to write essays and things like that on the side they ha- that they meet with. And then we get together and we watch the movie Luther. And then we might even set up some kind of a simulation where we are exposed to having to defend ourselves. So do, can you can you get the picture there? Yes, I am. I think that's helping a lot. Now, uh, of course, what comes to my mind then is um, I see the writing and the English and the history. Uh, how is the student getting, say, science, for example? Well, one of the things I remember is this is just a, a once-a-week once class, so the, the other parts are being done at home. Uh, our, our kids did science on their own. But if you have a community where maybe somebody, one of the parents, has got some science background, uh, we would ask them to do a science class. We actually have a project called the Pyramid Project, and it's a math and science project, and um, it's a year long. 
and it takes them through science and math, and it takes they take a pretest to find out where their placement is, and then they um, they start they start their math at that level, and they get a private tutor to help them with their math. And what we're trying to do there again is not fragment their mind, but re- help them understand. My daughter, take for instance, is a is a great violist and a pianist, and uh, she's she's going to be starting the pyramid project in a couple of weeks. Here, she's just finished up with the Civil War, and she's really nervous. Mom, math isn't my thing. And so today, um, for school, we were talking about all the patterns that she could see in um, some of the music that she was playing, and she's actually making a quilt, and we talked about patterns, and I said, see, you're a mathematician, mathematician scientist, you didn't even know it, and all of a sudden, she's so excited, I want to study math, I want to do this, you know, so we're trying, options for um, homeschooling parents, because you don't have an online curriculum that people can sign up for, they really have to start this because um, this, this curriculum in their own hometown, right? If they don't have one there in their own hometown, right. they start it. Right. I think it's imperative. We we really believe, you know, I I uh, have studied psychology in a lot of depth, and and I know I understand the whole social democratic situation that Dewey talks about, and 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 getting the kids exposed to each other. And if you really look at George Washington's um, education, he had nobody. He was on the farm forever. He he had no friends. His brothers were his were his tutors. He didn't have a social life. So you have to ask yourself the question, is that a real need? Well, in our world today, it's become very global. Yeah, it is a need. Our children really need each other. They need to be good examples of each other. We need to be witnesses of those the good characteristics that we want them to to develop. So yeah, we have a social need and and it's important for us to gather together in groups in our own communities whether whether we think it's it is or not, you know, I guess you can you can argue that, but that's what we encourage people to do is to get together in their groups at home. Homeschoolers may feel themselves sometimes be a little bit elitist, but uh, we put a lot of investment in, in our children, and I think most homeschool parents feel better when their children that they hang out with uh, are other homeschoolers. And th- this kind of a program lets high homeschoolers of a high school age and middle school age hang around with other people that follow that homeschool philosophy. And to talk about it, too, to go yes. in depth into a subject and talk about it, my oldest son would love this. Yeah, discussion is really, really important for the kids. My kids come home from class and they're like, Mom, you can't believe what I learned in class. Well, you're, did, did your teacher teach you that? No, no, I, I had this huge epiphany. Oh. Each each uh, winter uh, here in the Utah area, the homeschoolers uh, host a... Uh, ballroom dance for the whole family and uh, one of the last ones they had the uh, band they had a live band it was big band music and they, the band were, was making comments this is there's something wrong with these kids <laughs> they're out there dancing and they're having a fun time and just uh, there's something unique about them and, and so we had to explain well they're all homeschoolers they're not uh, they don't uh-huh. go to public school now of course you're doing such work like mock supreme court and the the level of work you're talking about seems very advanced. Some people might think that it's too advanced for high school students. What is your response to that? Nothing's too advanced for a kid who wants to do it. I I just really, really believe that. You know, I'm not necessarily a proponent of sending your child to school when they're 12, but I think it's possible, I mean, to, to college, you know. I think it's possible to send a 12-year-old to, to college if they're motivated and they and they have that level of, of understanding. Um, I like to keep my kids 
at 12, I think, is a really impress- impressionable age, and I like to, to have more time with them than, than, um, than that. But it may be somebody's mission to do that, and I don't, you know, Admiral Farragut, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He was, he was an admiral, he was a captain of a ship when he was 12. Actually, and we interviewed a homeschooling family whose children, they didn't send them off to college, but they, uh, it was a right. motivational tool for them to dangle the college carrot. Right. So their children wanted to take the online college classes, right. or they would go with their older brothers and sisters, and it seemed to work out well for them. Yeah, so, you know, there's ways to make it happen. Yeah, and whatever motivates the kids, and whatever their passion, whatever drives them. Right. I, I just don't think anything is too advanced for a child who's motivated. Well, homeschoolers certainly keep proving that over and over again. Yes, they, they do. What yes, are the time do. and financial obligations related to setting up one of these schools? Um, well, you know, you have to. We we actually have a Commonwealth School training. My company does to help people set these things up, but they do have to um, become legal and make sure that they're a legal entity. Every state has different laws um, because you will be collecting dues, and um, and then you know the initial setup can be a little a little timely, take time consuming because they we do ask them to have a constitution that identifies. What is their core philosophy and how do they want – that's what makes the difference between a co-op and a commonwealth school is that the commonwealth school has a, has a constitution that clearly defines the leadership, the role of the parents, the role of the, of the teachers, the role of the students, and the philosophy of education that they are going to follow. I was going to ask you to address that in more detail. Yes, please. What is the difference between the commonwealth yeah. school and a co-op, a homeschooling co-op? That's basically it. They that they have a very clear definition of what their philosophy is, and and um, it's and it's di- defined in bylaws or a constitution. And that's that's the most time that it that it takes is that initial setup. Um, and then of course, you know, the the parents have to be very dedicated about uh, getting an education on their own, making sure that they're setting a good example for the kids so that the kids are feeling more motivated at home. The home environment is everything, of course. We homeschool. That's what we want. And so we just want to encourage the parents to continue there with their education so that they feel confident. So that's the time commitment that's in it. And for me, it's worth it. It's my children are investing in. But then I get the benefit of getting a great education at the same time. I I actually didn't um, graduate from college. I had no intention really to ever graduate from college. There wasn't a college out there that I was interested in because it, there was nothing that ever offered me what I wanted to do until I started to understand more about the classics and I was introduced, introduced to Georgewood College in Cedar City. And it, lo and behold, I mean, I just can't even believe it. Two years I got a college degree. Two years ago I got a college degree. And I'm in the master's program now. Do you want to tell us some more about this college in Utah that follows this same philosophy? I, I had I had the honor of um, interviewing... Uh, Dr. DeMille a couple of years ago talking about a Thomas Jefferson education. Right. So this college that you just referred to in Utah is the college version of a Thomas Jefferson education. Yes, it is. Um, it's just a very small liberal arts college, liberal arts meaning uh, the study of the f- knowledge for freedom. They're very clear about that that's what their study is, and they we believe, uh, we have a conviction that there's all kinds of uh, knowledge and language that needs to be learned in all the sectors of life that is the language of freedom. And um, so the college is, this, they study classics, they have one mentor uh, that sees them through the, through the year, um, really, hands, uh, really hands-on small kind of 
of discussion groups. They don't, you don't do any textbooks. Uh, the testing is all oral exams and written exams, essay exams. And, um, and let me tell you, those oral exams can be scary. <laughs> oh. um, and then you read, you read classics and you share great ideas. The whole idea for them is to get people to enter into the great debate and really start talking about the issues of society, that what, what we can do to change, where we need to go to, to make a better, better community, better state, better world. And they don't do five different classes a day. They do one particular subject a week, like they might do intense biology for the, right. or, or Hebrew right. or Constitution yep. or something like that. That's exactly right. And they, that's why our schools are based the way they are, so that we don't fragment the children's mind. Same, same exact philosophy at the college level. They do it more, you know, they'll study a subject for two weeks because they're far more intense, you know, whereas we study a subject for a year. And they get the child for five to six hours a day for that two weeks, whereas you're just getting them for right. um, one day a week. Right, and we're hoping that they go home and study for two or three hours or four a day, yeah. Is this Commonwealth school uh, also a good business opportunity for a homeschooling parent who wants to teach other children? Is this t- a type of private school that they can set up in their community? That's a really good question. We, um, Our Commonwealth school, because that we call it the for the Commonwealth of all, is all based on volunteerism. And in a consecrated effort. So it's, so it's like a co-op, except that you have a constitution. It's not like one family or one parent owns it. Right. So it's based on, on laws, and uh, the leadership will change from, from year to year, and people will serve in, in for free on these uh, committees so that uh, they all have a turn in contributing something. We know there's other options in private school and public school, and, and a lot of those give great value, but they also can cost five or $10,000 or more per student per year. And if, if you've got three or four kids, a lot of families, that's, that's just not feasible. So this is an alternative with great results for people that don't want to spend thousands of dollars. We, we probably in a year in a Commonwealth school will spend maybe $500. For all of our whole family. Oh. I live in um, California. And it used to be that um, we had a co-op. Our homeschooling co-op was very active. But now we have charter schools, and I've noticed that people have kind of fragmented off and they're going to the different charter schools. And I wanted to put together a teen group and then also a, a, a group for my younger daughter. And I had a very hard time finding you know, homeschoolers to have the time and the interest in it. Right. Uh, the way that they've done things in the laws in, in California, they've kind of fragmented the homeschoolers because of the allure of money. We try not to buy into that that whole money thing because you sacrifice so much. That's why we love the Commonwealth School because it's very, very affordable. I I will never have to be tempted by getting public funds for my my children's education. I have everything I need. And I have amazing, amazing teachers who love my children as much as they love their own because they're teaching their children and my children. So for the families in your Commonwealth schools, and most of them probably um, fill out private school affidavits or whatever they're... Um, you know, the, the laws in Utah don't require that. Uh, who is taking, taking care of the transcripts and the paperwork for the students? The laws in, the, in, the, in Utah don't require that either. Uh, cause that's but right. there are schools Utah in other states like California, though. Well, but Utah is a very homeschooling-friendly state. California mm-hmm. is pretty much so. Right. And then some of the other states have stricter laws. Right. You have to know what your laws are. So ours don't – we don't have to require any affidavits. I know in um, in Idaho they do, and 
the treasure we have they have actually a specific person who's in charge of that one aspect of their commonwealth school can can you share some real life success stories of teens that have completed this alternative to high school yeah um well i my favorite is my daughter of course <laughs> um she couldn't afford to go to college. We were, you know, we're one income family and we're we're committed to being that, to staying that and um so that I can be free to be home with the children and uh we also belong to a church that um requires a lot of sacrifice from us and we have always paid our church and uh eventually we expect that our children will probably serve missions which costs a lot of money. And so we're always thinking about those things, you know, in addition to to college, we didn't have a lot of college fund for her. And so she graduated from our school and um the the she wanted to go to Georgia's college. They offer one full year scholarship a year, full, full ride scholarship a year, and you have to pass several levels. You have to write a paper and then it goes through a board of review and then you have to have a personal interview, and then you have to have a, um oral exam in front of, I think her oral exam was probably in front of 80 people. Um, and it was so exciting for me to watch her go through every single one of those le- levels and nail it, nail it, nail it every single time. She got up there to take the oral exam. I was sitting in, in, behind Dr. DeMille, who's the president of the college, and the examiner asked her, to just give me an idea, he said, are you familiar with the U.S. Constitution? And it just so happened that my daughter had helped us write that part of the of our project. And she said, yes, I am. He says, could you just kind of give me a little outline of the U.S. Constitution? She went over to the whiteboard, one by one, listed every all of the seven articles. She started outlining um, all of the, the sections, and then she started going to the clauses, and he said, okay, 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 I get it. You know the Constitution. They <laughs> must have fallen off their feet. <laughs> they did. The whole, every, you know, who knows that kind of stuff in the audience? You know, they were just parents there to witness her. It was, it was amazing. It was like, oh my gosh, victory for me. I'm feeling so happy that day. <laughs> Do you have any other success stories for us too of people who have done this for their high school and then gone on to other colleges yeah. and to work? Or? We do. Um, I. Oh, go ahead. Not to, not to put you on the spot. I thought you might just have it off the top of your head. Well, my husband was just um. My wife knows more of the details, but uh, Miss Teen Utah went through our program, and that helped her with her elocution and a lot of the things you have to do to, to be in a competitive uh, uh, contest like that. We've ha- had other students that have gone through it that have already gone to college in their early teens and graduated. And I have a student right now who is at the university level. He's 15. And he just finished through our program last year, and he's getting he's getting high scores in all of his classes at the university. Um, I have another uh, several other students who have been accepted to many other universities throughout. We teach them how to keep a por- portfolio. So if they have a problem with any colleges, um, one time I was asking for my my daughter was applying to a college, and they said, "Oh, you know, we can't accept you because you don't have a GED." And so they said, you're going to have to go take your GED. And and I walked in the next day with my daughter, and I brought her, I brought in her portfolio, and I said, and, you know, she has a 26 on her ACT. And I said, she has a 26 on her ACT. This is, is her a, portfolio. Is that a good score? The, what? Is that a good score? 
26 is it's it's good enough to get into some higher universities. And I I opened up her portfolio. I said, this is what she's been doing for the last four years. Are you telling me you're not going to accept her? And they said, oh, we probably should rethink this. And the next day they sent her an an acceptance letter. Where can people um, go to learn more about the new Commonwealth schools and how to set one up themselves? Well, there's two resources we have. Our website, you can uh, order the book, the new Commonwealth School, um, from the website. And your book tells them how to set this up for themselves. It gives the foundation of the Commonwealth School and how how to make it happen. We have we've narrowed it down to what we call three phases. There's the um, gathering phase, the founding phase, and then what we call the daisy phase or the blossoming phase. Okay, so you're really walking them through step by step, and you've set these up or helped have these set up in the United States and throughout Canada. Right, right. And uh, and we and we offer Commonwealth School training so that if they want to get better at it, and we actually do phone um, mentoring also. I have people calling me all the time. Okay, we're having this issue. How do I get over this? And how do I move past this? And So uh, we, we offer all kinds of support. Is, is this affordable? Um, the training uh, costs $500 for up to seven people in your group, in your area. So what is that? It's, it's about $85 a person. Okay, okay. Um, and it's it's two full days. Of training. And you got to remember, once people have been trained, it's not like their children are then paying hundreds or thousands of dollars to, to go to this Commonwealth school. It'll right. be very affordable for them, an ongoing cost. So let's give your web address again, please. I gave it in the beginning, but so for people who are writing down notes. Okay. It's www.lemiinstitute, L-E-M-I, it stands for Leadership Education Mentoring Institute, dot com. And there are several other books that we offer on there. One of the ones we're most excited about is my husband and I's new book called The Lost Da Vinci's. I was going to ask you about that. Now, this is a, a, vic, a fiction book. Yes. And unlike a lot of fiction books where the main characters go to school, your characters were homeschooled. Yes. Yeah, we have always encouraged our kids to read, and we read a lot of uh, read a lot of books to our children growing up. And that's been one of the things that we've always look for is why aren't there more books about homeschoolers that homeschoolers can read about because there's a whole industry of books for and about uh, young kids and almost all of them if it's in a school setting it's going to be at a public school and so here we've got probably probably around two million children in the United States are being homeschooled right now and when they want to read a book about other kids it's going to be in a home in in a public school setting or private school setting or Harry Potter setting and we thought it's time for a, a new uh, uh, niche of books to be published on, on homeschool, fiction books they can read about so they can find their peers uh, in a situation like that. So. And my husband just got his first fan mail from one of the young ladies who read it. I've read your book three times. I love it so much. Can you please tell me when the next book is coming out? <laughs> oh, that's so good. Now, is this an e-book or a physical book? Um, it's a physical book. It is, and they can order it from lemmyinstitute.com. Right, and the, and the plot is is uh, that there's a family with uh, five children, and uh, one day, uh, and most of the kids are 14, 12, 11 years old. One day, when one of the kids comes home from soccer practice, he notices his mom is gone, his five-year-old brother's gone, and his dad is gone from school or from home. They've totally disappeared, and so this uh, young boy and his uh, brother and two sisters. 
they have to decide, what are we going to do? Our parents disappeared. Now, their dad happens to be a scientist, an inventor, so they think uh, their disappearance may have something to do with the science experiment he was doing. But they're very hesitant to call for help because they figure uh, social service is going to come cart them away. So they decide on their own that they're going to solve this mystery of what has happened to their parents. So we thought that would have some appeal to some homeschool kids who are around their parents all the time to uh, go through an adventure story of, uh, gee, what would we like if one day my parents were gone? What would we do? And I'll think, speaking of role model parenting, now that your children have seen you writing a fiction book and writing a nonfiction book, are they wanting to write books too? Actually, my oldest daughter right now is in the middle of, of uh, uh, composing a book. It's gonna, it's a poem, and it's um, uh, for children, and it's the story of Pilgrim's Progress. And, and this is what they're writing. Yeah, that's what she's writing. Wow, that's pretty impressive. And my other daughter wrote a book called um, The Key of Liberty Bowl. It's a it's a list a book with all the lists of questions that you could ask um, uh, in a in a Constitution Bowl to kids. I think there are a lot of homeschooling families where the kids want to self-publish. Who are you using for your self-publishing? <laughs> we have a great publishers here in right in my own town, and um, it's called DMT Publishing. They can you you upload everything onto them. They ma- they'll mail it out for you if you want to one one at a time order or you can do mass orders. They they're really flexible and they're fabulous, fabulous. Really spell that again for us? This is D M T publishing. T like as in Tom. So D as in David, yeah. M as in Mary, T mm-hmm. as in pa, uh, Tom. Yes. And then P U B L I S H I N G dot com. Mm-hmm. So if any of our listeners have budding authors of their own, they can have them write the manuscript and then and then use D M T publishing to make as many copies of the book as they want. Right. They don't do any uh, design unless you hire them for the design. My daughter actually does all of our design on our books. My, she's a graphic artist. Two of my three children are writing books, too. My son's working on a sci-fi fantasy book. Oh, wow. My youngest daughter, my 11-year-old, boy, she is writing all the time. She must write three to four hours a day. Well, if, she need, if, they, if you need a designer for your jacket, my daughter would be really happy to help. Oh, my gosh, that's a great idea to support another homeschooler. Yeah. What is the contact information for your daughter for our uh, caller? <laughs> she actually is the designer of our website. So um, you can just go to the website and, and you can contact us. So through Lemmy, L-E-M-I, Institute, another I, so two I's right there in the middle, mm-hmm. LemmyInstitute.com, and the Contact Us button is going to go to you, and then you can get them in touch yeah. with your daughter. I can send them over to my daughter. Okay, so let's open up the call. We're speaking with Don and Anelity Milne about how you can create your own Commonwealth school in your community for your high school students. This is Homeschool's Answer to High School. So uh, please mute out your individual phone by pressing star 6. All of our lines are full, and this will keep the noise down. And please don't be shy. Come on out and talk with the Milnes and ask your question. It really benefits everyone, and it's so nice, of course, um, to have them as our guests. Here we go. Thank you, callers. So first question, please, for Don and Anelia Hill. I know you must have a lot of questions about Thomas Jefferson education, about how to set this style of education up for your high school students, and perhaps you also want to talk some more about the college in Utah that follows the Thomas Jefferson model of education. I have a question. Yes, thank you. We can hear you. Uh, can you hear me? This is Kim Maja. 
Hi, so mm-hmm. please go ahead. Okay, yes. I have a daughter that's 14, and uh-huh. I have a brother that's 15. We started homeschooling them last year. So, of course, one is a freshman and the other is a sophomore. Okay. They have grown immensely after being homeschooled. We decided to, I um, hired a physicist. He scored in the top 99th percentile of all students in the country. Wow. So I contracted with him to train them. It's incredibly expensive. However, in a short time, uh, they went maybe, they've, um, they're up six levels. Wow. So I'm seeing great results. And, of course, I had to homeschool them because there's no way they could spend the four hours a week down with a tutor. Right. Uh, For every hour that they're down there, he gives them five hours of homework. Yes. So they do that as part of their core math, reading, language, arts curriculum. And I supplement. I'm studying to be an attorney, so uh, I give them some of my coursework. (laughs) <laughs> we also go to a very huge church in Munster, and we they've undergone master's training, which is leadership training, and where you learn about prophecy and your internal gifts and how that works with your study habits. Uh-huh. The problem is they're ready to go back to regular school. They're yeah. both uh, pretty popular kids. Yeah. Um, however, I'm trying to figure out what can I do um, to either get them interested in staying in homeschool, and it's fine if they, they want to go back to a standard school. The, the local school nearby, is they've got advanced coursework, and they're one of the top school districts. In the Where do you live? Uh, Munster, Indiana. Indiana. Right outside. Do you know what I really, really suggest you do? If this guy is as great as you, this tutor is as great as you say he is, um, you might consider... Uh, being a great businesswoman and saying, hey, if I bring you six or seven other students, would you give us a break on your tutoring and see if you can get some other homeschoolers to join that class with them? He gave a break. Um, Usually it's um, $80 an hour. Uh, For the two of them, though, it's $75 an hour per student. For the two of them, it's it's $40 a piece. So that's a break. And Mm -hmm. he's great. It's not. I don't have a problem with continuing to pay this guy for. Yeah, I'm just saying that to create an environment, uh, to create a a social environment for the kids, if you can get three or four other more other kids that are homeschooling to come to that class with them, then they'll feel like they're starting to get more of that social experience. The thing is, I don't understand. Why the social experience? They get a lot of social experience from my point of view, but it's not within the high school setting. Yeah, I know. Because of our church, we do major productions. We do the J-O-N play that involves live animals and horses Mm -hmm. and so they're getting drama, they're mm-hmm. getting, you know, he does sound and lighting, so he's getting advanced. And these are people that are in Hollywood yeah. that allow my brother to work with them. So, And then, you know, they've got all of their friends and stuff, so they right. go out often. But, but you have a hard time grasping the idea of why they need each other. Why do they need to go and get the socialism from within the high school? It's a huge lure, isn't it? The public school. I mean, or even a private school. Yeah, it's a huge lure to the kids today. I think it has to do with their generation. 
Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not going to ask you how old you are. I'm assuming you're at least as old as me. There's this re- really wonderful book called The Fourth Turning, mm-hmm. and it's about um, it's about the different uh, cycles in history that we go through, and it talks about the different generations that we are. And we happen to, you and I probably happen to be what they call nomads, people who don't need other people too much. They're, we, we, that's why the homeschool moving, movement has gotten so huge, because these nomad parents have just kind of started leaving the institutions. But we're raising hero generation children who need each other. Okay. So I'm 34. <laughs> I would say don't fight it. Go get the book, get a, bit, a little bit more understanding, and see if you can create an or, uh, some kind of environment where they get each other. Would you say the name of that book again, please, Anelody? It's called The Fourth Turning. The Fourth, as in one, two, three, four. Yeah. And who is the author of that? Do you know? Yes. Strauss and Howe. S-T-R-A-U-S-S. Yes, and Howe, H-O-W-E. Oh, that sounds very interesting. So it's Written in the early 1990s. Oh, really? So according to that book, we are nomad parents, but we are raising hero generation kids? Yes. Oh, very interesting. Yes, it's fascinating. If you understand who you are and who they are, it gives you a lot more patience to be the kind of parent you need to be. <laughs> okay. Well, Carla, that's so. an excellent question. We have two minutes before our next interview. Are there um, any other questions for the Mills? I have a quick question. Yes, okay. Go ahead. I was just wondering if you keep track of the individuals who go through your training program for the Commonwealth Schools and have some sort of directory of yes, we do. Commonwealth Schools out there? Yes, we do. If you would, um, we actually have on our, on our website one that says pod locations, and you can kind of see the locations in your area. If there isn't anything you think is in your area, you can email us, and we, can, we will um, see if we can find someone. Where do you live? In northern Utah. Where in northern Utah? Uh, in outside the Ogden area. Okay. We have a school up there in North Ogden. Okay. Um, it's called Polar Star Academy. Polar Star Academy. Okay. Uh-huh. And it's um, directed by um, uh, Cindy Hampton. Okay. Now, they, their school might be, might be getting on the large side, so I don't know if you can um, – do you know who she is? Um, there may be a couple of individuals in our community who go up to her school. I have heard of a, a school up in North Ogden that's yeah. something similar. Yeah, it's very similar to what we do. It's not exactly everything we do, but, yeah, it's very similar. Okay, thank you. You're welcome. Well, thank you very much. 